welcome to This Week in Sports. Here's your host, The Pody. Good Friday evening, everybody. I just wanted to wish everybody a happy March Madness weekend. And madness it is already especially today with multiple upsets brewing on our hands. I will dive into that, but first off, I will introduce myself as I do every episode. I'm the Pody, your host on This Week in Sports. Today is Friday, March 22nd, 2019. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and welcome to episode 43. Boy, do we have a lot to get into, and this is going to be an episode based solely around March Madness. It is that time of year, finally, the greatest time of the sports year, in my opinion, when you have your sports nuts as well as Jan in the office that doesn't know a thing about any sport picking their teams, filling out their brackets, and ultimately finding out if they have what it takes to take it all the way and win themselves some cash money. So, with that being said, let's run a recap. And I aptly titled this episode, I'm sure everybody is wondering and trying to figure out what does that mean, Jim Calhoun doesn't wash his hands. Well, funny story is I decided as the game started yesterday on Thursday, awesome, awesome couple of days in the college basketball world. It's amazing. All right. I got my brackets filled out. I'm sure everybody did by now, right? The deadline was noon yesterday. So I decided, you know what? I live in New Jersey. They're playing some games in Hartford, Connecticut, that was the closest regional. So I said to my dad, you know what, let's go. Took off of work, went on StubHub, got myself some tickets for the two of us, and we drove the two and a half, three hours, it took about three hours to get there. And from there, we, you know, parking was an absolute nightmare. Just want to say they haven't had the NCAA tournament in Hartford in 21 years, and I now know why, because that... That small inner city, not inner city, but that small city atmosphere, the parking was a nightmare. They didn't have clear signs. There was parking decks you had to park in. Some of those were full. We finally get parked, and it was about a 9 to 10-minute walk, which wasn't too bad. Luckily, it wasn't raining. But finally, we get in the stadium. We're settled in, and we get to see a couple of big-time programs. First game, Florida State, Vermont, and... Unfortunately, I was in a Vermont section and I had to sit next to a bunch of Vermont folks and no disrespect, but I just don't like people from Vermont. They, they rub me the wrong way. They're a little weird. They're kind of a little bit hippie. I had a woman standing next to me that was like literally full blown stretching. Like she was doing quad stretches, standing on one foot and pulling the other foot, you know, uh, under her, her, her butt, which it was just very uncomfortable and weird. And she was clapping nonstop for Vermont when you knew they were not winning this game. Although they did make it close. They really did. They kept it very tight for about 
you know, a lot, most of uh, the entire first half. And then about halfway through the second half is when FSU decided to, to really step it up and to really, uh, light a fire under, under, under themselves and, and pick it up. And, uh, Kumaji, man, what a beast that guy is for Florida state. He had a ball down low, three guys wrapping him up and he was still able to dunk it in between all three of them. So Florida state as the four seed, they beat the 13 seed Vermont and they move on. And then we had the second game. All right. And the second game was the one that, that we were there for. That was the price that was worth the price of admission. That was number five Marquette versus number 12 Murray state. And I have to say it was a disappointing outcome, but Ja Morant from Murray State, I can attest to this because I was there, is the real deal. This man dished out 15 assists, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're not a basketball fan, you might not know what that means, but 15 assists is unbelievable. And these were no-look passes. Six or seven of them, from my recollection, were legitimate no-look passes. It was incredible to watch. The man can dunk like no, like anybody out there is. I mean, and he's going to be a top three lottery pick in the NBA draft. Just keep that in mind. So he was unbelievable. On the flip side of that for Marquette, you had Marcus Howard, who was also a very, very good basketball player himself in his own right. And he had about, I think he had 16 points in the first half, but this was all Murray State the entire way, and they went in a blowout by 19. Okay, let's back this up to the whole Jim Calhoun encounter, okay? First half ends for the second game, Murray State and Marquette. Excuse me. It did not fully end. There was like five minutes left. I was like, let me try to go to the bathroom. I know these lines are really long. So I trek down the steps, make my way to the bathroom, right? The closest one to me. Mind you, I was in the upper, upper level here. I got tickets last minute. So there was no good tickets really available. So I'm in the, the, the upper 200 level, right? So I just mosey on over to the nearest bathroom and there's a huge line, but it starts moving really, really fast. So we get in there and, you know, everybody's waiting around to go to the bathroom. Now there's an entrance and an exit as there are in most bathrooms at stadiums. Okay. People were coming in and out both directions. Well, I'm waiting by the stall for one in the middle by, you know, just by one of the stalls there in the middle of the, the bathroom and in comes walking Jim Calhoun, Jim friggin' Calhoun, Hall of Fame, national champion coach, Jim Calhoun. He coached UConn for many, many years, and he won a few national championships, two or three, I believe. I think he might have won three. Anyway, he walks right into the bathroom, okay? He's just dressed in plain clothes. I mean, it's Hartford, Connecticut. That's the area UConn's right there. He now coaches at, at, uh, St. Joe's, I believe that's Division Two or Three school. Um, so he he just walks right into the bathroom, and I stare right at him, and I froze. Right, I, I mean I'm in the bathroom; it's kind of awkward. Do I say hi? Don't I? I kind of got to use the toilet, so I'm like, you know what? Uh, nobody else is really saying anything. Am I the only one that recognizes him? I don't know, but I'm a hardcore sports fan, so maybe. 
So he just scoots off, scoots right on, right on over to a urinal, and he proceeds to take care of business. He was in and out super quick. He just does his business, and then wait for it, wait for it. He zips up his pants and just walks out of the bathroom. He did not wash his hands. Are you kidding me? This is what sparked a debate amongst me and my friends. So basically, I didn't end up saying hi to him. I kind of got starstruck a little bit, and I didn't say hi to him. I thought it would be a, a weird, you know, a weird situation. I don't want to say hi to a guy that's just going in there to use the restroom. I felt that wouldn't be that that he wouldn't take that, you know, nicely. But after he finishes what his business or whatever, one of the another uh, guy in there, just some random guy, he just yelled, "Hey, coach!" He, well, he said, "Hey, coach didn't even wash his hands," and that's exactly what I was thinking. And then I texted my dad, and then went back up there, and I was talking to him about. It. I was like, "Do you realize I just saw Jim friggin' Calhoun in the bathroom in the 200 section? I mean, it was bizarre. I could have chosen to go to the bathroom at any point in time, but I chose that moment, and I happened to run into Jim Calhoun. Like he walked right in, and I was staring him right in the face. We definitely made eye contact, and I could I could see it in his eye. He knew that I knew who he was." And he was just like, you know what? I'm going to keep going. I'm going to just do my thing and get the hell out of here because I don't want anyone to bother me right now. So, yeah, that's my Jim Calhoun story. Hall of Fame, college basketball coach. He used the bathroom, did not wash his hands, and that is absolutely disgusting because, ladies and gentlemen, this is a given, okay? When you use the restroom, whether you're at home in your own house or in a public place, especially even more so when people are around, you wash your damn hands because that is ab-so-friggin-lutely disgusting. And it's Jim Calhoun, right? So he's extremely respectable in that area and very famous. He's going to be touching people and shaking their hands after he left that bathroom, and that is disgusting. Some of my friends are trying to tell me, well, if you use the waistband of, of your boxers, okay, to, to kind of guide your stream and you don't touch anything, then you don't have to wash your hands. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. First of all, that's messy because um, you're in a urinal right standing next to somebody. If you try that and you don't hit it right, you could get uh, in a lot of trouble with the patron next to you, okay? And it's not very accurate, and I would not try that. All right, the other reason is you are in a bathroom, okay? You are literally in a germ cesspool. You're in a public stadium with thousands upon thousands of people. Wash your damn hands. It's none of this, well, I didn't go number two, so I'm not going to wash my hands. Absolutely not. Wash your hands no matter what, people. All right, that's that's my PSA. Wash your damn hands. All right, so with that being said, we finished up watching the game. Murray State dominated. John Morant had the first triple-double in the NCAA tournament since Draymond Green. If you guessed Draymond Green, yes. 2012 when he did that in the tournament for Michigan State. So this dude is for real. 
and he gets a interesting matchup now uh, uh, between uh, Florida State and Murray State. So let's see. That's the 12 versus the 4. We'll see what happens. But I want to give a rundown because this tournament, if there was any indication of how this was going to play out, it starts with the first game of the tournament, which tipped off at 12-15 yesterday, and that was Minnesota, the 10 seed, versus Louisville. Now, this was an intriguing matchup because Minnesota's head coach is Richard Patino. He is the son of Rick Patino. okay? Rick Patino won a national championship at Louisville. He's coached at Louisville, and he recently got in some trouble, and he was fired from Louisville, right? And he's been coaching over in Greece. Well, now I'm, I heard yesterday on the radio that he's in line maybe uh, in the running to get the UNLV job. That would be intriguing. But besides that point, Minnesota, the 10 seed, they upset Louisville in the first game of the tournament. So already the first game we had an upset. So let's go with a quick little rundown, all right? We had yesterday, let me get to it, sorry. Minnesota, they beat Louisville by 10. Then you had in the second game, Yale was getting spanked at halftime by LSU. That's the 14 and the three seed. Well, a lot of people had Yale with the upset. I was taking LSU. I think LSU is a great team. They score the second most points in in the paint in the country, second only to Duke. They have 40 uh 40, excuse me, 18, no, 17 games with 40 plus points in the paint. All right, and that's only second to Duke. Duke has one more at 18, and they secured that in yesterday's win over Yale. But Yale surged back in the second half of that game. They outscored LSU by 11. And, of course, we know with LSU, their coach, Will Wade, has been suspended indefinitely over those wiretaps with Christian Dawkins, the middleman, um, telling him basically that he's offered Javante Smart um, a lot of money to come to LSU, which is totally illegal, blah, blah, blah. So he's been suspended a couple weeks now. And LSU was able to hold on for the five-point win, 79-74. And then after that, you had the uh, a crazy, almost a huge upset between number 5 Auburn and number 12 New Mexico State. Now, another funny story about this was at the games in Hartford, they had little TVs mounted above our heads and they were doing little live look-ins every, you know, every time there was a timeout on the court. Well, they were doing live look-ins to this Auburn New Mexico State game and we were the stadium was going nuts because it was a one it was a one possession game late under a minute. And then there was a crazy turn of events where the guy on New Mexico State was driving to the hole and he kicked it out. But but then I think even before that, they there was like a timeout. Somebody on Auburn maybe was shooting free throws. And then they cut the live look in because the game was coming back on at, at the stadium. And everybody started booing because realistically, what so what they were doing was they were playing the game that we were watching in the stadium on the TVs as well, which made no sense. You could have still showed us the live look-ins from the other place, but they chose not to do that. And so people were mad. And then we missed the end of that game. And I was quickly trying to refresh my phone to see the score because it was a one point game when the Auburn guy missed the, missed the foul shot or uh, no. So what happened was that's right. 
Mississippi State guy got fouled shooting a three-point basket. All right, this would have given them a one-point lead. He missed. He made the first free throw and then missed the second one, and then he missed the second one again. But it what the ball was knocked out of bounds by Auburn, so New Mexico State got it back. And they're down one for a final possession, and they cut from the game, and everybody was going nuts. We found out New Mexico State had a wide-open three in the corner, but the guy airballed it. So Auburn survived by one point, and Bruce Pearl must have been going nuts on the sidelines. It must have been wild for Auburn. But so anyway, they survive the 12 seed, the first-round scare there. And then, of course, like I mentioned, Florida State, they ended up beating Vermont. It was closer than I would have liked. They won by seven only. And then uh, another scare was the Michigan State game, which I want to talk about for a minute. The two-seed Michigan State versus Bradley, the 15th seed. Now, Michigan State did pull away late, and they won this game by 11, but they were losing at halftime by one. There was a, there was a scene in this game with Tom Izzo, who's a respected winning coach in college basketball. He's been at this a long time. Well, one of his players, okay, wasn't hustling on a certain set series of plays, okay? So something happened where his freshman guard, uh, Jay Sean Henry, wasn't hustling back. And of course, they, uh, Tom Izzo thought his team was showing a little bit of a lack of effort because they were getting beat by a lesser team, a 15 seed. So he had he was screaming and pointing at this kid, right? Getting in his face, throwing up every name in the book, and he had to be restrained by a couple of his players. Now, he's yelling at his player. You got to show some accountability, okay? This is the last bit of your season. This is it. If you lose this game, you go home and your season is over. So every possession matters, every possession counts, and that kid has to take accountability for his actions, so that's what Tom Izzo was getting angry about. Not so much he's screaming at the player, but he's angry at what he did, the behavior, right? Well, people were going berserk. On the Twitter police, we had people, even even people that are on television, ESPN, CBS, certain networks were saying that Tom Izzo went too far. I am so sorry to say this, but we live in 2019. I understand it's not like it was years ago, but I grew up, I'm 26, almost 27. I was born in 92. My father is a, you know, lifetime coach. All right. And guess what? When you screw up in sports, your coach should yell at you. You need to know that you screwed up. You need to have some accountability. I don't want some coach that's just going to stand on the sideline. I don't want a Todd Bowles who's going to stand on the sideline and bottle it all up and not say anything. I want the damn coach to be yelling at the player when he screws up. Now, Tom Izzo wasn't grabbing him and pushing him. This was no Mike Rice, Rutgers throwing basketballs at players and literally... uh, talking down to them and belittling them, or Bobby Knight throwing chairs and doing stuff like that. No, 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 no. Totally different. He was just screaming and yelling because once in a while, I always say this in baseball, right, with the Yankees sometimes, or in basketball, sometimes you need a fire to be lit under you. And sometimes in baseball, I say, 
Oh, Aaron Boone for the Yankees, the coach of the Yankees. This is a time that's a bad call. They screwed this up. They need to wake up. The coach needs to go out there, argue with the umpire, and get ejected right now. It'll show his players that he cares and that sometimes sparks a fire in them that helps rally the team and say, okay, now you get the crowd into it and everything else, right? But we got people saying, oh, he shouldn't have done that in front of millions of people watching. He embarrassed him. Listen, he screwed up and he has to have some accountability and Tom Izzo should talk to him that way. He should yell at him so he knows not to make that mistake again. So I, this is a non-issue. I cannot believe we're talking about this. It is pathetic, okay? I would love to coach a major college sport because I would be old school. I'm 26 and, and calling myself old school, but it's sad because we live in this age. These college kids, that's the, the coach is their boss, and if he wants to yell, that's his prerogative. That's his job is to help this team win. And if yelling does it, because please explain to me what coach that just stands there like a Todd Bowles wins. Tell me one coach that does that and wins. Now, even Mike Krzyzewski, Coach K yells a little bit. He's in his 70s now, so he's slowed down a bit. But even Coach K will yell at refs and will scream bark orders at his players. I've seen him get into it. Jay Wright does the same thing. He might not do it blatantly in front of the cameras, per se, but he definitely does it with when those players get to the bench and he's throwing around F-bombs left and right. If you ever sat behind his bench, you would know that. So that's my little rant on that. What Tom Izzo did was a non-factor. He spoke to the press today and he even said that it's a non-issue, okay? He had former players going to bat for him on Twitter and defending him and whatnot. And he's right. This is a one and done. This is it. Okay, there has to be some accountability, and that's that. And that's all he was doing was trying to fire up his player, and it worked because he came back and made a couple big shots, and Michigan State rallied and won the game. It was a sloppy first game of the tournament, but they got those jitters out of the way, and they're one of the top teams in this in this entire tournament, and a lot of teams are a lot of people are in fact picking them to possibly upset Duke in an Elite 8 matchup or a final uh, Elite 8 matchup, yeah, and maybe bring this thing home. So, yeah, I can't believe that was a thing. And then a big uh, upset pick that many were having was Belmont over number 6 Maryland, so that 6-11 matchup. Well, it came right down to the wire. Belmont was leading by at least five or six in the second half. Maryland rallied and won that one in a tight one, 79 to 77. So the Terps move on. Okay, and then another intriguing one was number four, Kansas versus the 13 seed Northwestern. Kansas is not the same team that they've been. They did not win the Big 12 this year, first time in many, many years in Bill Self's uh, regime there. So as the four seed, you're thinking, okay, maybe maybe uh, Northeastern can mount the upset. You know, Kansas is down a couple of players, all right? And so, yeah, so maybe maybe there's a chance for Northeastern. Let's see what they got. They're not a typical team that's, uh, that's usually in this tournament, but we'll see. We'll see what they have, right? Well, Kansas obliterated them, absolutely obliterated them, 87-53. This one was over from the start, so Kansas looking very, very strong. And then another 10-7 matchup. I 
a lot of people had Nevada going far. They made it to the Elite Eight last year, I believe, and they brought back everybody. They were like the second oldest team in the country, all their seniors, the Martin Twins, Cody and Caleb, and they end up losing to Florida 70-61. to and I, I had Florida in most of my brackets. I also had Florida some in some of them uh, moving on and beating Michigan in the next round. And um, so next up, after Nevada, Florida, we had Kentucky, who's without P.J. Washington. He's currently in a, in a hard cast for his sprained foot, and we don't know the status of him for tomorrow. But he was out. Kentucky slaughtered Abilene Christian, and I mean slaughtered, 79-44. to They looked really good. I did pick them in one or two of my brackets to uh, win it all, actually. And, of course, then after that, we had Gonzaga over Fairleigh Dickinson. It wasn't even a fair fight, 80, 87-49. to Then Villanova, they they hung on in a close one to beat St. Mary's 61 to 57. That was an intriguing one. And I the next one would be another 10-7 matchup. Okay. And that would be Wofford and Seton Hall. So this one was interesting because Wofford as the seven seed, Seton Hall as the 10 seed. I didn't see it that way. I saw Wofford more of the underdog and Seton Hall as the favorite, because even though it wasn't seated that way, because Seton Hall is Big East, Wofford they're a mid-major, right? So I, I and I know Wofford is one of the the second best three-point shooting team in the country, right? Wowzer, wowzer, Wofford. I don't know that they'll be able to get it done against Kentucky, but holy crap, this guy McGee set the record for most three-pointers made in NCAA history for his career, and he is legit. He could be the next Steph Curry that breaks out in this tournament because let me tell you, his he was catching and shooting with his back to the basket, for, for Christ's sake. That's, that's how ridiculous. I mean, he was shooting before he even caught and turned the ball to square up, and these guys were money. They were making shot after shot after shot, and they had a comfortable lead at the half. They were up 10, but then, of course, Miles Powell, only four points in the first half. He proceeded to get going in the second half, and he was on fire, made three threes in a row at once, and he had Seton Hall back up in front by one. But Wofford, the barrage of three-point field goals late, it was too much for Seton Hall to overcome, and they get the win, 84-68. to I had Seton Hall in nearly every one of my pit brackets. A little little uh, pissed off about that one, but, you know, they're the local team, and they kind of get screwed every year with their seating and their, the, the, you know, the, the opponents that they get stuck with. So, uh, yeah, they end up getting bounced again in the first round. Next up, we had the two-seed, Michigan. Michigan is, again, a popular pick. They lost in the championship game last year, but they're, again, a popular pick as a two-seed. Lost the Big Ten championship to Michigan State by a few points. They played Montana. Again, That was they pretty much wiped the floor. They were leading the whole way, and they win that one by 19. And then the intriguing one of the night, the, the late games was Baylor and Syracuse. That was the 8-9 matchup. I, I picked Syracuse in most brackets. Had Baylor in a few because I know these 8-9 matchups can be tricky. And Baylor ends up pulling the upset and gets the win 78-69. Uh, to 69. 
So Jim Beheim in that zone could not handle the three-pointers that uh, Baylor was was throwing up. And then finally, the last game was Purdue and Old Dominion, the 14 versus the three. And again, not very close. Purdue wins this one 61-48. Now, of course, we have a bunch of games going on today again, so I'll quickly go through those. And uh, we'll start with another 7-10 matchup between Iowa and Cincinnati. We had three out of four 10 seeds win. And I just realized there wasn't three, uh, four out of four 10 seeds because in my head, I'm thinking Wofford was the 10 seed, but really it was Seton Hall. So yeah, Iowa, listen, I have was all over the Big Ten this week and not picking them. I did pick Minnesota mostly just because I I liked the mat. I liked Rick, uh, Richard Patino versus his dad's former team, and I thought that Louisville was an okay team, but they blew too many leads and lost too many close games. Up twenty two against you know Duke in the second half and end up losing that game. Good teams don't lose games like that, so I didn't like uh, I didn't like them, and so I went with Minnesota there. Well, the Big Ten up until Wisconsin just lost to Oregon. I'll get to that in a second. The Big Ten was 6-0, and and Iowa gets it done again. Listen, I'm a Rutgers guy. I graduated from Rutgers. Rutgers basically beat Iowa twice this year. They were winning at home until Iowa gets a fadeaway turnaround bank shot from the corner to beat Rutgers at home at the buzzer. Rutgers then goes into Iowa and beats Iowa on its home court. So that's got to tell you something that Rutgers beat Iowa and almost did it twice. But the fact that Iowa came out against Cincinnati, a top 30 defense, Cincinnati disappointed. But I can't even I can't even say that really because they didn't play that badly. Iowa just played out of their minds, was hitting a barrage of threes. Let me see if they have the stats here. I want to see. Yeah, here we go. Iowa made 11 three-pointers in this game, and of course, you're going to win. So they won by seven, okay? They had five more three-pointers than um, Cincinnati, and they hit on 50% of their threes. You're not beating a team that does that. And the unfortunate thing for Cincinnati is they had no answer for Luca Garza and Joe Wieskamp. I mean, those two guys combined. Garza down low. It felt like I was watching Shaquille O'Neal play against toddlers or little children because they went small and this guy was just dicing them up down low on the block. And so yeah, Iowa moves on. I have to say I did not ha- I did not see that happening. I, I I like Mick Cronin. I love the fire and the energy he he brings all 59 of his, of his stature and they just don't seem to have it in the tournament, you know? I don't know what it is, but they seem to get bounced in the first or second round every single year. So yeah, that was that little disappointing. I did have Cincinnati and a couple going to the Sweet 16. The other the su- other surprising one. This is I don't care what games get played today. This is the most surprising score of the day. The 9-8-8-9 matchup between Oklahoma and and Ole Miss. I was torn back and forth. Didn't know too much about these teams. I took both teams, but mostly I took Oklahoma. Oklahoma routed Ole Miss. It wasn't even close. They beat Ole Ole Miss, got just embarrassed, okay? Oklahoma put up 95 points, and they win this one by 23, 95 to 72. I mean, an absolute thrashing, and uh, they move on. And then you had 
the three seed Texas Tech taking on Northern Kentucky. I will say I didn't really watch this game. It didn't intrigue me much. I would have turned it on if it got closer, but Texas Tech really was winning this one comfortably. They go on. They beat Northern Kentucky by a final of 72-57. to The big game of the day for me anyway. I've been preaching this all week. My big upset pick was UC Irvine versus Kansas State. UC Irvine, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, they have three players with ties to NBA, uh, pl- former NBA players, all right? One is a grandson and two are sons. I know Karan Butler's son plays for UC Irvine. They never won an NCAA tournament game. Well, they boast one of the best defenses in the country. Both of these teams boasted good defenses, top-tier defenses. UC Irvine, I was working, so I forgot about this game. Otherwise, I would have bet on UC Irvine from the get-go. But I saw the game was tied. I was right about to leave work. Saw the game's tied at halftime, 30-all. Log into DraftKings. I see that they have good odds. It was like plus 117, nothing great. That's why I wish I would have got the game before it started. The odds would probably have been better. So I dropped 50 bucks on UC Irvine to win straight up at plus 117. The payout was $58.50, right? And I watched the second half. Kansas State tried to make a little comeback, but UC Irvine held on, and boy, did they hit some clutch free throws. They were impressive to watch, all right? They were very impressive to watch. And um, yeah, they hold on, and they get the win. So uh, it was a big upset of the day, if you will. And that one was 70-64 to 64 UC Irvine. So a nice little win in my pocket. And I made almost 60 bucks, which will pay for about three quarters of my brackets that I'm in right now. So if I don't win, end up winning anything, you know, I'm I'm only out about 30 bucks so far. Because that's, I think I spent 80 or 90 for all my brackets, my pools that I'm in. Okay, then we had the, just this game just finished up a little while ago. We had uh, uh, number two Tennessee facing Colgate. Colgate, God damn it, them guys got some guts, and they got I gotta give them some credit because they fought hard in this game. Tennessee ultimately wins it by seven seventy seven to seventy, and woo Virginia, where are my Cavalier fans at? If you guys didn't poop your pants for the second year straight, I don't know what would cause you to. This was an absolute shocker. Virginia, did it happen again? It did not. But boy, oh boy, let me tell you, Gardner-Webb was smoking Virginia by as many as 16 in the first half. Virginia cut it to a six-point halftime deficit. And then the second half happened, and Virginia locked up. Kyle Guy got going, and and those boys. And Virginia outscores Gardner Webb forty-one to twenty, and moves on by a final of seventy-one to fifty-six. But my gosh, what another scare for the second year in a row! Everybody was wondering if Virginia, as a one seed, was going to lose to a sixteen seed. Was this twenty eighteen all over again? It was not, but it cannot. You cannot feel good if you're a Virginia player, coach, or fan right now. And then we have a disappointing, disappointing, disappointing Buffalo-Arizona game, Arizona State. uh, Bobby Hurley, he won the play-in game, okay, against St. John's. It was super sloppy. 
He now got to face Buffalo, his former team that he coached for before he went to Arizona State. Buffalo's sixth seed, Arizona State's the 11th seed. I really, really thought that Danny Hurley, excuse me, I'm, I'm going to keep doing this. Danny Hurley coaches UConn. That's the brother of Bobby Hurley. Bobby Hurley, the coach of Arizona State, I really thought he was going to have his team prepared and he was going to beat his former team. That was apparently not the case. I was totally wrong on this. Buffalo wins it by a whopping 17 points. Uh, no, they won it by 18 points, actually. 91 to 74. Just an absolute blowout. And then the other upset I've been preaching this all week because I knew Wisconsin was fool's gold. Wisconsin was 13th out of 14th in the Big Ten in defense. That says a lot, okay? And yes, they were tied at halftime. I was going to bet that game as well. I should have pulled the trigger on Oregon. They were plus 100. I would have doubled my money, and I could have won another 50 bucks. but I was stupid, and I did not do it. Well, Oregon gets the upset win. They routed them in the second half, 18-point win, and they've, they've won nine or 10 in a row now, and they're doing it all without their, their monstrous freshman, uh, Bowl Bowl, who is the son of Manute Bowl, obviously. So that's the game so far in the first two days. We have a uh, couple games going on right now. Utah State against Washington. Utah State was my other uh, pick. I-, I was liking the things I was reading about them. They're currently down by six. Uh, Washington's at the line shooting free throws. They might be down seven with about 6.20 to go in the first half. And of course, Duke is playing right now the one seed, the number one overall seed in this tournament. They are, have been picked in over 50% of brackets to win it all. That is the highest margin. They're the, they're the most heavily favored team since Kentucky in the 2013-14 season when they did not win it. So keep that in mind. Well, I haven't seen, I haven't had the Duke game on. I have the March Madness app running on my TV, on the Apple TV here. But apparently the CBS streams don't stream on this app. So I'd have to go to the um you know what let me do that actually let me i have i have a one month trial of cbs sports cbs all access so i could just throw it on here i don't feel like turning my cable box on this is the easiest way to do it so duke is losing 12 to 5 to north dakota state um i don't see this being a problem duke better win this game because i also have them winning it all in a in one or two brackets so, uh, yeah, Duke, you, you got to step it up. And here we go. Houston, number three, Houston and Georgia State. That's getting ready to tip off uh, in just a few minutes. The rest, a uh, couple games we have the rest of the night. Let me just put this out there. We've got number five, Mississippi State against number 12, Liberty. Uh, Liberty intrigues me. They beat UCLA this year. Uh, that could be an upset pick. We have number one, North Carolina, facing 16, Iona. North Carolina's 24.5 point faves. So, uh, yeah, that shouldn't be a problem for them. And then another intriguing one, these eight nines are always so damn hard to pick. We've got the eight seed, eight, excuse me, we've got the eight seed VCU and the nine seed UCF. UCF has Taco Fall, ladies and gentlemen, the seven foot six center. It's going to be interesting. They just went alley oop, Duke did to Zion for the for the layup he did not dunk it just laid it in finger roll 
so it's 12-7. Uh, but yeah, it's an intriguing one because a lot of people are picking UCF, but I'm torn. I went back and forth in this one. I started picking VCU early. Uh, they they looked good this year. They won the Atlantic 10 before getting bounced by Rhode Island in the first round of the A-10 tournament. And then UCF. The reason I wasn't hot on UCF was because they're kind of uh, you know faltering down the stretch, and and they've been on a been on a losing streak lately, and they've just been out of sync. So that's that was my reasoning. But then I'm, I started picking them, you know, towards the latter stages when I was filling out my my later brackets. I was like, you know what? Let me split it up here. Let me start taking UCF on some of these. So I'm intrigued to see what comes of that game. And then of course. Two more games to finish out the night. The 6-seed Iowa State versus the 11-seed Ohio State. And this is an intriguing one because, like I said, I don't have a lot of faith in the Big Ten at all. I don't care what the numbers suggest and how they've been doing so far. But I have taken um, Iowa State in just about every single one of my pools and my brackets that I'm in. So I don't think that Ohio State will hang in this one. And then lastly, we have Virginia Tech, the four seed, taking on St. Louis. I'm very high on Virginia Tech. They should have been playing in the ACC championship game against Duke. Florida State hit an incredible three at the end of regulation. Otherwise, they were going to lose. And then they went and beat Virginia Tech in the semis of the ACC tournament in overtime. Unbelievable what they just did to Zion. They just inbounded it to him right under the bu- the basket, and he just went up over top of this defender who was taller than him, got the ball, and finger-rolled it in. Duke cuts the lead to 14-11. So that'll round it out. I don't think St. Louis, they were a four-seed in the A-10 tournament, and they ran the table. So I don't think that they they have what it takes to beat to beat um, Virginia Tech, although of course you never know. But uh, yeah, it's coming on. It's unwinding now for North Dakota point guard just shot up an air ball three. So guys, that's gonna do it for for the uh, for my March Madness take. Ran a little bit longer than I wanted to, but we're gonna take this time to pause. Uh, I've got to get some. You know, we gotta pay the bills, keep the lights on in here. So I gotta get some. Uh, I got to take care of business and run through some ads. So bear with me. Uh, I will see you guys back here in about a minute or two, and we will get moving on to what else is going on in the sports world. Because believe it or not, there is some other stuff going on besides March Madness. Although it doesn't feel like it, there's some stuff going on. A lot of guys in baseball, a lot of major league players striking some big time deals, some extensions. So we'll get into that, some football uh, headlines to go over as well. All that and much more. I'll hit you guys back up in just a few minutes. Bear with me while we pay some bills. See you back here in just about a minute or two. Okay, I'm back. Let's get this thing rolling. We're going to talk some baseball right now, and we've got to start with the best player on the planet. That is the LeBron James equivalent to the sport of baseball, Mike Trout, New Jersey native Mike Trout. He said, I'll take Bryce Harper's contract and I'll raise you $100 million. It's like um, Austin Powers with Dr. Evil. 100, or when he says, I think, I guess he just says, $1 million. Yeah, well, 
Mike Trout is sitting there going, $100 million. Yeah, because, well, not too long ago, Manny Machado got a 13-year, $300 million contract, right? Or, excuse me, uh, 10-year, I can't even keep track of what it was. Anyway, $300 million free agent contract, which was the largest ever. Well, a few days later, Bryce Harper gets the largest ever, signing a 12 or 13 year deal for 300 uh, excuse me yeah for 300 and nearly 30 million dollars well this week it came by a huge surprise the angels and mike trout agreed to an extension of 12 years and 400 and nearly 30 million i heard it's 430 but i'm reading reports that it's like 427.5 million right let me tell you something Nobody saw this coming. Mike Trout was set to be a free agent next summer. And it's wild because he still has, like I said, he still has like a year to go on his current contract. His current contract is worth $144 million. So he is going to make a boatload of money. And I have to say, I'm not all that thrilled with this. Uh, of these teams signing players to all this. I know the Angels have a $3 billion TV contract. I get it. The money's there. I do understand all that. And yes, he deserves it because he's the best player in the sport. He's consistent. His war wins above replacement suggests he's the best player in the game by far. We all The eye test is there, right? You can tell Mike Trout's a five-tool player. He does it in center field. He's led the league in stolen bases. He's hit for power. He's had 100 RBIs, I think, twice, and he's led the league in runs scored as well. All around, unbelievable player. But he plays for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. That's a mouthful, right? And they play second fiddle to the Dodgers, obviously. Nobody really pays attention to the Angels. And Mike Trout's on a team that has, I don't know if they've been to, I don't think they've even been to the playoffs since he's been there. That's the problem I have. When you go and pay a, a guy $430 million for the next 12 years, how are you going to surround him with talent? How are you going to put the guys around him that are going to help him win? And the the argument with Manny Machado in San, in San Diego is that, oh, well, they according to Keith Law, they have the number one minor league system, so they're a few years away, and then they're going to be contenders, right? That's all good and well, and they're saying the same thing with the Angels. I think they have, like, the seventh best minor league system. That's fine, but it's going to take more than that, right? They're going to need to do something else. And history tells us these ginormous contracts, these long 10, 12, 13-year deals, they don't work. They they end up, it puts a player on a team for many, many years where he is no longer in his prime and it's a nightmare. And then you end up having to trade said player to another team late in his career when you have exercised all options and gone through his prime and wasted another hapless couple of years with no championship. So that's my gripe. I don't I don't disagree. It's a sh- it's a crap ton of money. I don't disagree. I don't necessarily believe he should make that much money. It's literally like 90 $91,000 a game and like 200 something 200 plus k every single game. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, 
it's crazy. It's crazy to think all the money. Yes, it's there. That's fine. Pay him whatever. Pay him a a, a billion dollars. I really don't care. I just don't think it's going to help you win a championship. That's that's my gripe. That's what I have to say. As Zion Williamson slams it home, the two-handed jam to give Duke its first lead at 18-16. First lead that I know of. And Utah State is crushing me right now as they are down by 10. 38-28, 23 seconds to go. That scares me. Ooh, Houston has built a 15-3 lead over Georgia State. That's what I like to see. Wanted to see how for real Houston was or not. Okay. So moving on from Mike Trout, don't want to spend too much time on that. That was the big news. He gets an extension uh, that we nobody saw coming. Next up, a uh, couple more extensions to name a few. Alex Bregman, the young superstar third baseman for the Houston Astros, helped them win a World Series two years ago. He gets a five-year, $100 million extension. That will keep him through... Uh, what's that? The twenty, like twenty three, twenty four season. Um, so yeah, that's big time for for the Houston Astros and their young superstar Alex Bregman. He was on my fantasy baseball team last year, and he was just a stud. All right, so so that's big news there. And a couple other ones we've got to go over is Blake Snell, former AL Cy Young Award winner, the twenty four year old. He just got an uh. A new deal today. I believe it was today. Five years and fifty million dollars. Now you're thinking four hundred thirty million from Trout, three hundred million from Machado, three hundred thirty million from Bryce Harper. Why is the AL, the reigning AL Cy Young Award winner, at just twenty four years old, only getting fifty million for the next five years? And I'll I'll tell you this is my theory because my friend was like flabbergasted at this because the uh. Who was it that signed the um, uh, Patrick Corbin? I'm drawing a blank on that. Um, wherever Patrick Corbin signed, they paid him like double that, and he's not nearly the pitcher that uh, that Blake Snell is. Well, here's the thing. Blake Snell is just 24. This deal will will keep him under contract until he's about 30 years old. Well, Chris Sale, ladies and gentlemen, he just got a new deal as well. That is a five-year, nearly $150 million contract. One of the best pitchers in all of baseball as well, another lefty. Here's the deal, though. Chris Sale is either 29 or 30 years old. I think he might be 29 years old. Well, Blake Snell is going to be 30 when his five-year extension is up. So he is actually going to be able to go then and get another monster contract. Maybe he gets another five-year deal at maybe another $50 million or another $100 million. It is, it is, a, it is lesser, less than you would expect. I'm a little confused here as to why it is only the $50 million. That's just my justification. That's all that, 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 that I can say as to why it would only be $50 million for somebody that is that caliber of pitcher coming off an AL Cy Young award. You would think that's leverage right there to say, listen, I just want a Cy Young. You better pay me what I'm worth. So yeah, and then of course Chris Sale gets 150 million. And yesterday we found out that after he was just recently acquired by the St. Louis Cardinals from Arizona, first baseman Paul Goldschmidt has agreed to an extension before even playing in a regular season game with the Cardinals. This one is going to be worth 130 million. I believe it is also for five years. 
Let me just see if I have that right. So Goldschmidt, he is um, on the older side at 31 years old. So he'll be roughly 36. So um, that is kind of old, but he, he he's well worth it. He's one of the best um, first basemen in the game. Uh, six consecutive All-Star appearances. So, And he was set to become a free agent following the season. Now, let's backtrack a few days. I think it was Monday or Tuesday. Very weird situation we had on our hands. 5.30 in the morning, we had a re- the first regular season game of the Major League season. It was between the Seattle Mariners and Oakland Athletics. It was being played in Japan, hence why it came on at 5.30 in the morning Eastern. When I woke up, this game was on at 5.30, right? I watched like literally two seconds of it as soon as I got to work and I said, oh, I'm bored. So I shut it off and I had to work. Well, if you're a fan, if you live in the Oakland or Seattle region, the West Coast, this game was on at 2.30 in the morning and most Americans have to work, so nobody watched this. Also, nobody knew it was a regular season game. They were running this, basically this promotion. It's Ichiro Suzuki's last season, yada yada. He's 45 years old. Let's get him in the game, and let's have him, you know, send you know send him off into into a you know blaze of glory in front of his home his home uh fans where he's from Japan of course they went nuts well Ichiro played 4 innings they had to pull him he is so bad now and he's not a, he's not an MLB player anymore because he's 45 and Mariners they did end up winning this game in a slugfest 9 to 7 Domingo Santana he hit a grand slam the ball was flying out of the stadium five total home runs the problem with this, though, was baseball, like they always do, they have a bad way of marketing. They don't market their stars well, and they certainly didn't market this game. They didn't even advertise this game. I did the night before. I will admit this. This was going into Wednesday, actually. I remember this now. I remember on Tuesday night, right before I went to bed, I got a notification, maybe from Yahoo Sports, saying the start of the major league season starts tomorrow. Something like that, and I or it said Wednesday, and I'm thinking, okay, next Wednesday or a couple weeks away, right? And then I hear I get to I'm riding into work, and I'm hearing on the radio that there's a major league baseball game going on, and it is the regular season. Now, what's even more bizarre is they played, I guess, two games in Japan. I, I gotta check this right now because it is it is really bothering me. I really need to know what's going on here. See, they don't even have. All right, I, I was afraid of this. I can't tell you if they played one game or two games. As far as I know, it was one game that counted, but it it might have been two um, because Ichiro played in these two games in Japan and then basically retired, so he's done. And what's really screwy about this whole thing is that the... um, those two teams now, from what I heard, I don't know if I heard that right because it doesn't make sense, are coming back to the States and they will still play some exhibition games, some spring training games before the season officially starts. I know other teams are still playing spring training games, so it's just very weird that in between all that, you would throw in one or two games in Japan. Very, very, very 
weird. And I just, a lot of people even were calling up the radio stations and, and tweeting and stuff saying they were turning on their television looking for Sports Center and they found this game. And they were like, what the heck is this? Even my dad, he turned it on and he thought it was just an exhibition game before the announcers said, no, it's a regular season game. So can't imagine the the uh, viewership numbers were any good in this one. So shame on you, Major League Baseball. All right, let's see. I just want to make sure that just about covers our baseball news. That should just about do it, yes. All right, guys. So uh, I'm going to take a break, get something to drink real quick. I will see you back in just a second. For you guys, it'll be a seamless transition. For me, uh, it might be closer to five minutes or so. As I watch, and Duke is now winning this one. uh, 20, they're up by like six, 26 to 20 or 20. Let me see. uh, Excuse me, 20 to 16. They're up by four. All right, guys. uh, I will see you in just a second, and we'll talk. uh, Let's, let's, I'll surprise you guys. I don't even know what I'm going to talk about next. But uh, see you guys in just a sec. Luca beats Dirk. Top of the key again. Over Williams. Jumper's good. The wait is over to pass Wilts. If you could not guess by that clip right there, our next segment we're going to dive right into is NBA, of course. And we will start with the big German, Dirk Nowitzki. Unbelievable accomplishment. Sixth all-time in scoring, as you heard there. He passed Wilt Chamberlain, one of the greats. He probably won't get—he's not—well, not probably. He's not going to get to Michael Jordan's mark of fifth all-time that LeBron just passed. He needs over 860 points or so for that. So he won't get there, but still an unbelievable feat. I did not realize Dirk has been in the NBA for 21 years. I just remember that— 2011 NBA Finals where against all odds against you know the super team that was Miami in Chris Bosh, D. Wade and of course LeBron James and Dirk and Jason Terry and Jason Kidd and those boys they took it to LeBron and the Heat and they were able to pull out that NBA Finals and Dirk led the way so graciously and just playing back the NBA 2K franchise the basketball games you know video game it, it just incredible I would love playing as Duke and he ha- I mean as Dirk and he had such a great I mean Dirk was was obviously no, well known for his fadeaway you know step back jumper off one foot with the tongue hanging out and he was unbelievable. He was like a cheat code in the video games as well. It's just unreal how how, how good of a, of a career he has had. So I, I want to throw my shouts. Uh, I mean, I want to show my gratitude to Dirk because I really did grow up and I enjoyed watching him play. And he really transcended the game because for a seven-footer like him to be able to, to move and shoot the ball like he does and he did for so long is just incredible. So congratulations to Dirk, and I wish him all the best for the rest of the season and beyond, and whatever he chooses to do, he will be successful. Interesting, uh, Kobe Bryant, you know, he's retired now, and he's been He's been talking a lot, and he's been in the news, and he's on ESPN+. Plus. He has that show, The Detail, where he breaks down players and goes over film and stuff. Well, he... 
he decided he he spoke or he was asked about uh the trade that LeBron tried to facilitate for Anthony Davis and he said he would absolutely trade for Anthony Davis meaning he would trade away Kyle Kuzma uh Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball saying that a Anthony Davis is better than all of those guys which I, I can't fault him at this moment yes is he better than all three of those guys individually? Correct. But as a whole, I don't know that Anthony Davis equals three possible uh, all-star caliber players. Maybe not all of them, but they're three possible players that are still young. Listen, the Lakers gave up on D'Angelo Russell way too early, and I'll get into that in a quick second. But to give up on these three guys this early... I don't think that would have been wise of them. So here's what Kobe had to say. Um, he said that Kuzma, Lonzo, Ingram are the three of them. Be- are the three of them better than Anthony Davis? That's what he at- He was asked. No, Chow, bye. Anthony Davis is one of the best players in the world, not currently in history. What are we talking about? If you can trade for Anthony Davis, you do it. If not, all right. So yes, Kobe Bryant is saying Anthony Davis is one of the best players in the NBA. He's still young, so he's obviously not one of the best players in history yet, but he's still better than these three players. And if you can go get him, you go get him. But he's also he's also saying, if not, which they were not able to get him, that enough is enough. You have to move on and invest your time. That's how I'm taking it, and that's how I would do it if I was the GM, if I was the president, if I was Magic Johnson. You say, okay, you move on. You now have to show these three young kids that you have faith in them and that you are willing to work with them and help them improve and push them to kind of uh, move forward. And as I look here, I got three games going. Liberty's within three. They were my nice little upset pick. We'll see that. I've got Georgia State mounting a comeback. They were down huge before by 12. They've cut it to 5. And Washington, Utah State's a 10-point halftime lead. Uh, that's coming out of the half soon. Unreal. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Uh, of course, it, Kobe Bryant's opinion holds some weight. He's one of the greatest players ever. So when he has something to say, you listen. So I was intrigued by what he had to say because it's not necessarily that it wasn't what I was looking for. Just a little surprised as a guy that was, uh, you know, played for the Lakers all those years that he'd be willing to trade those three guys for one player. And then let's talk about D'Angelo Russell for a second because he is on fire. He has my Brooklyn Nets on another level. I am ecstatic at what I'm watching in Brooklyn unfold between these young guys, and they are just blossoming. Now, I was really into the start of March Madness and these play-in games on, what it was it, Tuesday, Wednesday? Yeah, Tuesday and Wednesday, and I, I missed this Nets and Kings game. Totally forgot about it. The Nets were getting obliterated. Now, they're on a really tough road trip. They have the toughest remaining schedule in the NBA, excuse me, going forward through the rest of the season, and they're currently trying to hold on to a 6-7 seed. And it's been really tough. So they were, you know, losers of like two, three in a row. Tough, tough losses, tough teams. And then they go on into Sacramento. And Sacramento's a fringe playoff team, a young team, maybe a year or two ahead of itself with uh, De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, and those boys. And so 
the Nets found themselves getting absolutely blasted. They were down from the start, getting slaughtered, right? Well, they were down by as many as 28, all right? And they went to the fourth quarter down huge, okay? Let me tell you this. The Kings led 103-78 to through three quarters, but then the fourth quarter happened. More specifically, D'Angelo Russell happened, having a career night, okay? The Nets outscored the Kings 45-18 to in the fourth quarter alone, and the game winner, they mount come back all the way, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson gets a running floater in the lane with just a second or so on the clock, or less than a second, and the Nets are able to mount the historic comeback. And a bit about Russell, uh, Russell, D'Angelo Russell in this one. He scored 27 points in the fourth quarter alone, outscoring the entire Kings team 27 to 18. The Kings only had 18 in the fourth quarter, so Russell took it to the Kings and single-handedly won this game. Uh, he completed his night with 44 points. That is a new career high. And like I said, he is just really blossoming nicely, taking that role, taking that leadership role with the Nets and just, you know, showing, putting the world on notice, really. And everybody says that it's the Knicks that are the uh, the prime free agent uh, market where you might get a Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Kyrie Irving to come and play with the Knicks because they have a possible number one pick. But what if a couple of these guys were to come to Brooklyn? That would be what's up. That would be amazing. I would love that. Except Kawhi Leonard, he could go wherever the hell he wants that isn't Brooklyn, because as you all know, that guy is dead to me. Okay, so with that win, the Nets increased their lead over the Heat for the seventh for seventh place. So they are currently sitting in seventh place. And let me just check that because I don't th- I don't think that they've played a game since. Um, let me just real quick because that's what I do here. I want to get you everything up to the minute, up to the minute standings. Yeah. Okay. So the Nets are currently in sixth place. They are sitting a full game behind Detroit. And then, yeah, ooh, six and a half games behind Boston for the five seed. Yeah, they're not catching them. So it's between the the seven and six seed right now, and they lead uh, Miami by a full game. This is what scares me because if the Nets can grab that, that's, oh, wow, Indiana has fallen to the four seed. So Indiana's going to play Boston right now. Um, yeah, so that's not good. I was hoping the Nets would get the six seed and get to play Indiana. As, as we have it now, the Nets are going to end up playing Toronto, which scares the hell out of me. Uh, let's hope they make the playoffs first, though. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But anyway, uh, that's the Brooklyn Nets. They are on fire lately, and they are having fun with it. Okay, next up, uh, this was last night. This was a big win for Philly over Boston. They finally get it done with Joel Embiid. They get that um, that monster, you know, that that monster off their their back finally are able to uh get it done and and really this one this one the turning point in this one was when Marcus Smart got ejected this was a crazy one uh so what happened was is that I I believe there was a hard screen by Embiid on Marcus Smart and 
It was in the third quarter. Yeah, Embiid set a vicious screen on Marcus Smart, who absolutely just got blasted, fell to the ground. He hopped up, and man, some of these NBA fights are just glorious to watch, just epic. He hops up, and he just pushes Embiid way out of the camera angle. Like, I think Embiid falls to the ground, and then they get in each other's faces, and Marcus Smart ends up getting ejected. And from that point on, um, Embiid just took over, and Boston got outscored 60-46, to and Philly was able to pick up the win. Jimmy Butler put the dagger in this three-point game with less than 10 seconds to go. He hit a circus fadeaway shot to give them the five-point lead. Uh, Embiid, 37 points and a career-high 22 rebounds. And um, he actually said after the game, this guy, he, he's a clown too, but I'll play this clip right here for you. Uh, he, he basically, you know what, I don't want to ruin it for you, so take a listen to what Joel Embiid said after the win last night. Oh, I'm glad we got the win. Second of all, this is one of the best defensive players in the league. And third of all, I've been hearing that these guys can guard me better than anybody else, so I just have to come out there and show that uh, I'm, a, I'm the most unstoppable player in the league. Joel Embiid, I have a question for you. Do you know who James Harden is? Because something tells me that you don't know who he is. Because if you knew who James Harden was, you would know that you're nowhere near the most unstoppable player in the league. So, yeah, Joel Embiid, he was just, feel, you know, he was going through the fields. He just got an emotional win, and he's, you know, talking through his teeth, all right? There's no chance Joel Embiid is the most unstoppable player in the league. But like I said, he was fired up. Philly is going to be a tough team to beat in the playoffs. They are scary. He's unstoppable, all right. He, he, he's the top 15 maybe top 10 and he's and he's trending upwards if he can, you know, stay healthy and continue this amount of success throughout the next couple seasons, then absolutely he is one of the most unstoppable players in the league. But right now, Russell Westbrook's more unstoppable than you, Kevin Durant's more unstoppable than you, and of course Jim Harden is more unstoppable than you. Next up, finally want to talk about uh, a man that's been playing in China for the better part of the last three years, and that is Jimmer Fredette, former college basketball star at BYU. As I watch Liberty take a... They just had a four-point lead, but it's down to two. Okay, the rest of the games are either at half or commercial. Jimmer Fredette, ladies and gentlemen, he is back in the NBA. He signed... Uh, to play with the Phoenix Suns for the rest of the year. So congrats to Jimmer. He has been playing, like I said, in, in um in, in China for the last couple of years. And last played, I want to say, in the NBA for the Knicks, um, if I recall that correctly. He, he does have a team option with the Suns for next season, which is nice. So there is some flexibility for maybe him to come back. But he's been playing for the Shanghai Sharks of the CBA, or Chinese Basketball Association. And yes, he's been playing there for, like I said, the better part of three years, where he, as funny as this is, he 
has averaged just over 36 points per game. And I remember he did play in an exhibition game for those same Shanghai Sharks against the Houston Rockets either uh, last year or, or, or some time ago. He he played against them, and I he dropped a game high, like 40 or, or something crazy, like 35. It, it was incredible how many points he put up against against the Rockets, an actual NBA team, which I know the Rockets don't usually play play um, play much defense under Mike D'Antoni, but still, I was saying to myself, how in the world can this guy not play in the NBA? He knows how to score. He's almost like Steph Curry, but he's just the shooting ability, or maybe even Klay Thompson. I mean, he could score in droves. So good for you, Jimmer. Uh, welcome back to the NBA. Now let's talk about a team that they were a fringe playoff team in the West, but they're ultimately not going to make it. And they've decided to, uh, you know, a uh, couple players on this team are going to hang it up for the rest of the season, kind of like what the Lakers are doing. They they will uh, be without three guys, uh, most notably Jeff Teague, Derek Rose, and Robert Covington. They're all going to be shut down. This happens towards the end of a season, usually when a team is out of the playoff race and they don't want to further risk injury, guys can play and gut it out and come back quicker if they know that there's a chance they have, they, you know, that the team needs them to make a push for the playoffs and get in. But with these, with this uh, Timberwolves team being out of it now, they're just going to shut it down for precautionary reasons with their recent injuries. So, um, yeah, Covington, he hasn't played since December 31st. He hurt his knee. That's been a while. Uh, Derek Rose, he's having that resurgent year in Minnesota, averaging 18 points per game, the most in, like, two years. And um, with, yeah, so basically with 11 games to play, the Timberwolves are nine and a half back of the eight seeds. So yeah, they know that there's, there's literally statistically, there's like a one or 2% chance probably to make the playoffs. So they're not going to take that chance. So they will shut it down. Now, this is some sad news I found out about, uh, yesterday. So Kevin Durant, his adopted brother was killed in Atlanta yesterday. I want to say, yeah, I believe it was yesterday or the day before he was celebrating his 32nd birthday, former professional basketball player, not NBA, but I believe he played overseas, Cliff Dixon. So it's not Kevin Durant's actual brother. It's not, I, I guess he wasn't legally adopted or anything, but Durant refers to him as his adopted brother. And it's very sad. Um, he was shot and killed outside a strip mall early uh, Thursday. So yesterday he was again, celebrating his 32nd birthday at the SL Lounge nightclub. Uh, Kevin Durant and, and Dixon, they've been friends since they were, excuse me, since they were teenagers, and they also played together at Sutland High in Maryland. And, okay, okay, now, now I know who this is. I remember this well. Okay, so that's right. I'm starting to recall a little bit of this. So, Kevin Durant... When he won that MVP after the 2013-14 season, I remember he got real teary-eyed and emotional. Dixon was in that speech. He thanked him uh, and, and acknowledged him after he won that MVP. So very, very close to his heart. You know, you got to feel bad for Kevin, uh, for Kevin Durant. That's basically like his real flesh and blood brother. 
Um, he's he's grown up with him and probably been through you know some some tough times and some great times with him. So uh, sad story, but uh, this is developing, and I'm sure we'll find out more later about this. And then back to that Celtics and Sixers game where Marcus Smart got ejected. Man, he was hit with a hefty fine. I don't know if I've seen a $50,000 fine this year, but uh, that's what Smart got. Rudy Gobert might have got 50000 for what, that incident where he was throwing the water on the court. I am not. I don't quite remember, but yeah, Marcus Smart hit with a $50,000 fine for that. And uh, now let's talk about the Mavs again real quick, and this is not Dirk-related. Tim Hardaway Jr., He's another guy, the Mavs shutting him down for the rest of the year. They're clearly out of the playoff race, one of the worst teams in the West. So uh, he will miss the rest of the season for whatever that's worth after suffering a stress reaction in his left tibia. That is not a good sign. This is the second stress injury in his his, uh, left leg in two seasons for Tim Hardaway Jr. That is not a good sign. Uh, he missed last time uh, last season with a similar injury, and excuse me, uh, Tim Hart. Since the trade, I believe this is since the trade over from the New York Knicks in the Porzingis trade. Uh, Fifteen point five points, three point two rebounds, and one point nine assists with the Mavs, and I believe that's about twenty games. And when he was on the Knicks, he he was averaging a little bit higher point total, 19 points or so per game. But, you know, the Knicks were real bad, and he was their only offense, essentially. So he will miss the rest of the season. Uh, Okay, that looks like that will do it for our NBA action, uh, NBA headlines. We do have some games on tonight. If you're not into the March Madness, you can find my Brooklyn Nets playing in LA against LeBron and the Lakers, LeBron will suit up tonight. Okay, um, that's at ten thirty. You have the Magic and the Grizzlies. They're through three quarters. Well, they're in the middle of the third quarter right now. Uh, you got a slate of games going on. You could check those for yourself. You know who's playing? Rockets, Spurs on now. Thunder, Raptors. That's a good one. Okay, so anyway, that does it for our NBA action. Last up, we've got some NFL storylines to get to and then we'll have you on your way for the rest of your weekend okay folks before we get started with nfl segment which i do want to briskly get through this and then get to the last segment which is as always on this date in sports i do have to give some love to the women's bracket the uh women's college basketball tournament has begun today and in typical fashion Rutgers. As the seven seed, the women, they're actually halfway decent in, in this thing. They've made it to the national championship once or twice in, in my lifetime, not too, too long ago. But they were the seven seed taking on Buffalo. The winner of this game had to take on UConn women, which we all know how amazing they are. So I didn't even care for that. But I, I was at least hoping that they would get to face off against UConn. Now, Rutgers is leading. This was a close game. They're leading practically the whole way, and then they get blown out in the fourth quarter, 23-10, to 10, and they lose by 11. Just unreal. Terrible loss to a, a Buffalo team that's that's not on their level in the women's side. But just wanted to give a shout-out to to the women's uh, bracket. I did fill out one, fill one of the women's brackets out on ESPN, so I have to, I'll check my bracket a little bit later. But anyway, let's get to our NFL segment. Earlier in the week or over last weekend, I don't know, 
Well, the Oakland Raiders. Well, okay, Vontez Perfect was cut by the Cincinnati Bengals. We all know the history of Vontez Perfect, okay? He was undrafted out of college for a reason, okay? Played at Arizona, I want to say. And he went undrafted because he was known as a dirty player, his antics and, and such. So he finally gets into the league undrafted uh, with the Bengals. And, you know, he does everything right the first year, first year or so. Then he gets his contract and he knows he's going to be there a while. And that's when he turns into Vontez Perfect, the true color man, takes over, right? And we see what he's really capable of. And he has been known for dirty hits over the years. It's been widely accepted. He had a huge hit against Antonio Brown a few years ago that that cost him some some, uh, pocket change, if you will. And what's weird about this now is that the 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 uh, Bengals cut him and not soon af- not long after John Gruden and the Oakland Raiders scooped him up why is this intriguing and weird and and a whole messy situation that's because Antonio Brown is on the Raiders now so two guys that hate each other are now going to play with each other but i was listening to Golick and Wingo when they were talking about this and they make a good point guys will be worst enemies when they're against each other but the second they're on the same team, they can be best friends. I don't know how true that is going to be with these two guys because Antonio Brown couldn't make nice with anyone on his team, apparently, and he's still talking trash about Big Ben. So, uh, yeah, this is interesting. Um, Yeah, very interesting. Um, So... We'll, we'll we'll see if anything comes of this. I'm sure John Gruden, you know, I'll give him, you know, the benefit of the doubt when, you know, when, uh, when it comes to his football team and coaching. So, uh, yeah, uh, he's made a slate, a slew, a bevy uh, of moves this offseason, and he's drastically turning this team into what he wanted, wants and envisions. So, yeah, Vontez Perfect now teammates with probably more than a few players that that he has had beef with in the past, not just Antonio Brown. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is let's get back to this whole Robert Kraft massage parlor, massage gate, if you will. Um, There's a report that came out Tuesday, I believe, that basically said Robert Kraft could avoid all charges. They will drop the charges, will law enforcement, if Kraft admits that he would have been found guilty. Just say, yeah, I know I'm guilty. I did it. I know there's tapes out there. Um, you know, I definitely did it. I would have been found guilty by by a judge or jury or whatever. Just uh, all that's all he had to do, and they would drop the charges. Just basically face the, the embarrassment uh, of having the world know that it is true. And so I guess that was too much. He was He's too prideful that he decided he ain't doing it. And, and I guess I got to give him props for sticking by, you know, sticking to his guns here. We all know he's guilty. We all know the tapes are out there. Um, and, and Kraft, basically, part of it, I think that the reason he doesn't want to do it is he would have to review the, the video footage, the evidence against him. Uh, if it went to trial, uh, he would basically be found guilty. So, Admitting guilt is a non-starter. That's what one uh, TJ Quinn said from ESPN. That's a quote from the Kraft Party, I guess, from his camp. 
Uh, he's ba- he yeah he has pleaded non not guilty to two, the two misdemeanor counts of solicitation, and his court date is still scheduled for uh, about uh, a couple days away, March twenty eighth, and um oh excuse me uh, that's right um his date is scheduled for the twenty eighth but more stuff came out today which, which confused me it, it, the story is is even further developing um and, and now they're saying that which. ESPN did, uh, they, they, everybody has been saying this for, for some time now that, uh, you know, the video evidence was going to come out. Are you kidding me? Uh, give me one second, ladies and gentlemen, you know, I swear to God, I, I had, I didn't, I was getting lazy and didn't sign into this March Madness app. So I have to now, my trial ran out. So I have to activate this. This is totally unprofessional of me and don't do this if you're at home, children, but to the men, many, 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 many people that listen to this show, uh, you could just skip ahead to this part, and we'll get back to the Robert Kraft stuff in T-minus, oh, I don't know, 10 seconds as I type this in. Okay, so, yeah, so basically, it was further developing today, and um, Robert Kraft, I guess he's a prideful guy, and he doesn't want to admit to any wrongdoing. But the the developing story today is that these tapes are absolutely about to be uh, released. And I'm quite shocked, to be honest, because I thought somebody of his caliber, these videos, would would, he would be able to pay off whoever. But I bet you, I bet you, TMZ, those snakes finagled their way to get uh to get this video and it's going to be released. So let's see. Um he yeah, we all know that. Okay. The county sheriff said that on third on uh, today or yesterday, excuse me, that there's no okay, so there's no real legal reason uh, to seal these videos from public view, which is wow. So basically, um, this is what the sheriff said. I do think ultimately they are probably going to get released. There has to be a specific reason not to release a public record. And the fact that there is sexual activity is no exemption. Wow. 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 So there you have it. The sheriff in this case is saying that he sees that these videos will eventually get released. And like I said, I'm sure Deadspin or TMZ most likely will find will will pay for these videos and they will be released and we will get to see that which is disturbing and disgusting because I don't want to see that and I don't know that anyone here wants to see that. And okay, let's go back. Uh, I mentioned a, a few minutes ago, let's backtrack. I was wrong. I said Antonio Brown is still talking that ish about um Big Ben, that's that's my bad. It's Le'Veon Bell, my uh, new favorite player on the New York Jets. Uh, he and I don't know why. Why do these players have? The, I guess it's that these damn these damn reporters are asking them a million questions about it. So Le'Veon Bell is the one saying talking about Big Ben, and he said that Ben does not treat teammates on the same level, which I think is reiterating a lot of what Antonio Brown said about him. He said that Big Ben doesn't see teammates as equals. 
So I guess he sees some players as superior to others and vice versa. Wow. And Le'Veon, uh, wow. So both Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell have said this publicly that Big Ben is a part of the reason that they left. I'm sure. Wow. Okay. I'm surprised at that. Two-time Super Bowl, you know, winner. Unreal. Unreal. What is going on in Pittsburgh? I am still trying to figure that out many, many months behind. So Bell also quoted as saying, you're still a teammate at the end of the day. You're not Kevin Colbert. You're not team president Art Rooney, which that is true. I mean, uh, he did go on to say that Big Ben is a great quarterback, but he allows his personal preferences to guide his play. I can't wait for when the Jets play the Steelers. They do play each other this year. The schedule has not been released yet. We just know who's playing who. We don't know dates, but mark that on your calendar. That is going to be, I hope to God they put that on a Monday night. I really do. And Washington is still up on Utah State. Jeez, there's just five minutes left in this game. Utah State is down by 10. Did he really just call a charge? Oh my God, that is unbelievable. Hold on, I got to see this again. I'm sorry. Wow. All right, yep, yep, that's it. That's all she wrote for Utah State. I'm, I don't believe I took them going further than the next round, but still, that's bad. That was a very, very bad charge call. All right, next up, let's talk Doug Baldwin. Last year, I reported during the season that Doug Baldwin was not at 100%. He was dealing with knee issues, and he basically showed it throughout the season. He he was playing at like 75-80% and was not the same player he was the year prior. So this offseason is going to be more of the same. He's still dealing with these surgeries and, and knee issues. And um, to be more specific... He, he's going to need surgery to repair a sports hernia now. And um, he told uh, Cliff Averill, one of his ex-teammates uh, on a radio show, I believe, that more surgeries are on the way most likely. That's, that's tough. Uh, he's one of the better receivers in this league, undrafted. He will, he's going to meet with a doctor in April, I guess, to go over everything and try to come up with a plan. Because, of course, he, he wants to be ready for, for the season. Wow. Okay, so he has already, Doug Baldwin has already had two procedures in a matter of, what, the offseason's been like two two months. This, the Super Bowl was in February. So he's already had two procedures done, and now he might need a third surgery for that sports hernia. Shoulder and knee surgery already. Now, Granted, if those are scopes, that's not too big of a deal. But still, when you're talking about three surgeries in a matter of a couple weeks or months, that that's a little bit scary. So we'll see. Uh, he might not be someone you want to draft in your fantasy league. He might be. He might be able. He might be around in the tail end or a free agency to pick up. Okay, Bruce Arians. He is now the coach of the Bucks. We all know that the Buccaneers. He's no stranger to hiring women coaches. I believe he did that in Arizona. Well, he is continuing to do so with his staff uh, with the Bucks. And on Wednesday, he announced that 
he has hired two women to his staff, an assistant D-line coach and an assistant strength and conditioning coach. I would not want to mess with that strength and conditioning coach. She must be a freaking beast in a good way. All right. Um, the coaches are Lori Locus and Meryl Javad Javadifar. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. The Bucks will now be the first team to have two first time. Uh, excuse me, two women as full time assistants on their coaching staff at the same time. Utah State hit a three. They cut it to seven. I missed it. Washington got a bucket. And now Utah State is down nine. And one of their players got hurt. They just called timeout. I think we'll be all right. But uh, So, yeah, I was right. Back to this Arians thing. In 2015, he made history when he hired Jen Welter as an assistant coach. She was an intern only, though. And she was just with the team during training camp. So this is a new direction that he's taking. So that's pretty cool. And then I just, uh, this is, uh, no, a couple more things before we, we get out of here. This is already uh, pushing 15 minutes. I got a laugh at that, at that loser, Colin Kaepernick, because a month ago, or not even a month ago, a couple weeks ago, when he, when the NFL decided to settle with Kaepernick and they said it was a loss for the NFL, I knew this wasn't a loss for the NFL and I preached it on this show. Okay. Well, it came out, it was revealed yesterday, just like everything gets revealed, that Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed didn't get the tens of millions of dollars that everybody said they got. That's right, they got less than $10 million. Still a lot of money by most standards, right? But not when you're talking about an NFL player who's used to making tens of millions of dollars and hasn't had a job in a couple of years. So I find that, I find that hysterical that... That everybody thought, you know, Kaepernick and Eric Reed, they had a legitimate case against the NFL, and they had the NFL, you know, bent over at a, you know, bent over a barrel, and they were calling the shots. Well, not so fast. You only grabbed less than ten mil scrub. So that's hopefully the last time I have to hear or talk about Colin Kaepernick's name. A uh, couple signings to go over. Nothing major in Baltimore. The Ravens, they're re-signing Robert Griffin III to be a backup. Obviously, Joe Flacco was traded to the uh, Broncos, so they need a backup quarterback. And so they will retain RG3 to be Lamar Jackson's backup. And then finally, the Colts and Justin Houston agreed to a two-year deal. Houston was recently let go by uh, the Chiefs after eight years, and he's now found a new home. The Colts were trying to get D Ford as well, but they could only they were only able to get uh, Houston, and, and he's a good veteran presence, veteran linebacker. It's a two-year, twenty-four million dollar deal. Houston had nine sacks in twelve games for the Chiefs last year. Obviously, helped them get to the AFC Championship game. And of course, as luck always has it, that's right. Justin Houston will face off against the Chiefs in this upcoming 2019 NFL season when the Colts and Chiefs face off. Okay, and oh, that's right. Last but not least, this is quite important. The NFL did, uh, the competition committee, they they made some recommendations, right? And it's interesting because uh, they released 16 proposed rule changes for next season. 
which owners, uh, they'll have the chance, they'll vote on those next week at their meetings in, I believe, Phoenix. So one of the rule changes, this all stems back to that NFC Championship game where that no PI was called. One of these rule changes that they that the committee proposed would essentially expand the reviewable plays in instant replay to include fouls for pass interference. It would also expand automatic replays to include all scoring plays, turnovers, and turnovers negated by a foul and any extra point and two-point conversion attempt. Had that had this proposed rule been in place during the NFC Championship game, the Saints would have been awarded that penalty. That penalty would have been assessed. So that's that's what I like to hear. I like to hear that they're moving in the right direction. But what I, I that's it's it's a lot of bloated excess. You know, it's almost like there's too much language in in this, right? Uh, I feel like what they need to do is, and they talked about this, I'm stealing this idea from Wingo and Golik in the morning. They said it best. I want an extra ref that is in the booth, I'm excuse me, wherever he is. Wow, Washington just hit a dagger three. That's your game right there. They're up 14 now with just under three minutes to go. I want a a uh, judge or ref, whatever. I want him watching the game on as many screens as possible, getting the best view as possible, the view that us at home have, the the instant replay, the slow-mos, the high-def, 4K, HD. You know, I want him to see all of that and some that we're not getting and be able to see an instant replay of basically, I'll use that as an example, that Nikel Roby Coleman play that was not called. Anybody in their right mind, when we saw that on television, we knew that that was a PI. So I want it to be, boom, that guy sees it, and he calls down, okay, uh, Bill Vitovich, make the call, or, or, or Walt Coleman, whatever, and tells them, okay, that was PI, 100%, throw the flag, let the audience know, let the fans know what just happened, and boom. And then the Saints would be in the NFC Championship game. So this is still a step in the right direction. But, you know, that's just my preference, and I agree with those guys were saying um, on the morning show. All right, guys, that does it for our NFL segment. That's the last segment. We're going to wrap this up with On This Date in Sports, and we'll get you out of here. It's that time, guys. We're at the final closing moments of the show. It's On This Date in Sports, and we got to go back all the way to 1971, March the 22nd. The Patriots, once upon a time, they did not always play in Foxborough, so they moved They moved there and changed their name to the Bay State Patriots. One little problem of that would be that they would be the BS Patriots, right? And God, I wish that's what, that's what they were called, because as a Jets fan, I would love mocking the BS Patriots, because for all they're worth, they are known for their BS as, yeah, Utah State's down 15, that's over. So the team, instead of going with the Bay State Patriots, obviously, they settled on New England. And what's weird about that as well is that in in that same year, the Warriors of the NBA... They were the, They used to be the San Francisco Warriors, 
but that's the same year that they transitioned over to Golden State Warriors. So a little history, histrionics for my my uh, listeners out there. And I do have to say, I'm going to let you guys go in a second, but a couple things I want to mention. Shame on the NCAA. Shame, shame, shame. Where is it with the bell from Game of Thrones where the where she's walking? Uh, Cersei Lannister. Uh, shame, shame, shame. Because let me tell you, this is a bad look. So I bet you nobody knows right now that the NCAA Men's Wrestling Championship is going on at the same exact time of March Madness. Nobody's watching wrestling when March Madness is on. This is like the national championships for college wrestling, which is obviously a big deal, and it's on at the same time as all these games right now. It started yesterday as well. There's a couple kids from Rutgers, actually. They're very good at wrestling. There's a couple kids, two of them, at the uh, championships. So I'm rooting for them, but it's just a bad look for the NCAA. So shame on the NCAA for putting the wrestling championships on, on the same time and dates as the uh, March Madness. And then, again, I'll reiterate this, shame on Major League Baseball for starting the regular season in Japan with one game um, that nobody even knew existed or was on television. And last but not least, before I let you go, guys, this is my PSA to everyone. The Powerball is up to $625 million. So please, that draws tomorrow. Go out and get yourself a ticket. Please pay the extra $1, so that's $3 per ticket, to get the Power Play option. Because what the Power Play option does, many people don't know this when you play Powerball, if you play the Power Play for one extra dollar, it basically ensures that if you do not win the actual jackpot and hit, and, and hit all six numbers and you don't win, but if you hit five numbers, that's an automatic million dollars, right? But if you have the power play, whatever that power, ball, uh, power play number is, whether it's two, four, eight, what I forget what it goes up to, that's how much you 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 times that million dollars by. So if you imagine if you go out and you cheap out and you spend two bucks, get a Powerball ticket, you hit all five numbers, boom, you're a millionaire. You just won a million dollars. After taxes, you take home pennies. But now that same person goes out and spends an extra dollar. That million dollars could be two million. It could be four million, five million. It could times itself by whatever the power play number is. So highly worth it to get that extra dollar uh, value, that extra power play in there in the in the uh, one in 200, 300 million chance that you have to win. So that's my uh, public service announcement to everyone. Please enjoy the weekend. I hope yours and mine brackets do not get any more busted than they are now. I see that uh, Utah State just got destroyed in the closing seconds. I know that Duke is up big on, uh, they're up by 30 now with uh, just over five minutes left. So these games are uh, Liberty. I'm going to go watch that second quarter, uh, half's underway. That's tied up. And uh, yeah, exciting. Uh, Houston is pulling away from Georgia State. Guys, I I don't want to take up any more of your time. Have a happy, healthy weekend. Go college basketball. Watch some March Madness and just enjoy this 
beautiful spring weather that we're starting to see. Take care, everybody. I will see you on the flip side.